this is Wicked Spursy. Mike, Steve, Dave. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, David. Uh, had a really, really great weekend. Um, I went over to uh, our, my friend Trey's house, his, his house on the lake. Uh, he had a, a I, I know I was there recording the pod a couple of weeks ago. I went fishing there and um, this weekend was like his house, his, his official house opening, housewarming. Um party there was about 30 to 40 people there it was very nice uh, i was about the same size as our in our, our gathering here for the wicked spursy barbecue um <clears throat> we had a really good time brian was there um so you know we commiserated quite a bit not even didn't even talk about spurs we basically switched off all weekend and just had a good time and enjoyed each other's company and it was it was uh pretty great i mean we uh I had to get I had to get Lucas. Lucas came down with me and I had to drop him off at Nana's house, which was about 10 minutes up the road. So I had to drop him off uh, before, you know, we got into any kind of shenanigans. Um, so I dropped him off with Nana, uh, came back. And then uh, when I got back, it, it, there was this interesting thing that all the kids apparently are doing these days called uh, silent disco. I don't know if you've heard of this phenomenon but you can rent these headsets and you set up these playlists of music and you have, you know, there were on these headsets, there were three channels you could choose from. Then the music was always playing and you wore your headsets. It's basically to not offend the neighbors, right? With your loud music. So there was like on the roof deck, there was a giant party where everybody was just dancing to whatever music was on their headsets. The funny thing about it was when you took the headset off, everybody's dancing to no sound. <laughs> so if you can imagine what that looks like, it looks like a bunch of lunatics just prancing around like, like lunatics. Mike, I feel like you just have uncovered an analogy about our world today and the society where everybody's doing their own little special thing and doesn't really give a crap about what anybody else is doing so there was a there everybody's was a, dancing to their own music with their own headphones and when you take your headphones off everybody's dancing to nothing that that's this has been wicked spursy everybody have a great week i gotta tell you dude uh it, it, it was really a great it was really a great way to kind of it was kind of a, a neat social experiment for me I know this thing, this type of thing's been going on for a little bit now, but like it was a neat social experiment for me because I got to see people, uh, you know, taking these headphones off, got to see people like their rawest, like emotional states, depending on what, what channel of music they were listening to. There was like a funk station. There was a disco station. There was like a contemporary music station. Um, it, it was just, it was just so fun. And when I look back to think about it, like, I like to go to fish shows. So I go see fish. Everybody's dancing to the same music, you know, that the band is playing, you know, you have 30,000 people dancing and at the same time, they could all just be wearing headphones, listening to that same music and dancing with you. 
it's it's just a neat little experiment to like it's no different wearing the headphones than not wearing the headphones it's just that 10 of the 30 people are listening to a different station <laughs> but and you can connect know, with people from across the way I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not based on the that. music you're listening to. I'm not feeling that you're, you're taking away the shared experience. I don't you're think every, you are because everybody's in their box. Everybody's you ha, you, doing their you own do special connect with thing. it with, with people who are listening to the same, same station because there are colors on the headphones. Oh, that so by their, to, by their to identifying, you're listening by to. identifying characteristics, you could say, Oh, Hey, you and I, we're vibing to the same thing. Yeah. Like me and another dude at one point, we're like, Backstreet Boys were on. We did a little bye bye bye. That little dance. We just did that. We hit. No, we hit. How's that, how's that go again? Same time. Could, could you show us that again? I, I'd like to see that. <laughs> the the little. Mike, see, you know what you should have done. You need a video. <laughs> Mike, if you were a cool old man, you know what you would have done. You would. I'm I'm sure that Trey doesn't have like big house speakers like we had back in the day. But if if you were a cool old man, you would have put in like House of Pain, jump around to the highest possible volume and just overtaken their little headphones. I can tell you that let, train, them, let them have communal dancing and enjoy it together. That's what Train his beautiful wife uh, definitely made all of the made all of the playlists for this. And this went on for hours and hours and we just had a great time with it. It was a it was a wonderful night, like in the party. Hadn't even ended when I left. So that was it was great. It was a great time. Very nice. Very nice. So there's my. 20 minute opening <laughs> hey steve how about you man we uh we thought we might have to start without you but amazingly you're here you just you just got off daddy duty you want to talk about that yeah you know it's one of those things that doesn't come in the instruction manual um that they give you at the, the hospital on the day of your child's birth just every once in a while for no reason whatsoever your child will stand up and just unleash a torrent of God knows what out of his mouth all over the place at whatever location he is presently at. Steve, Steve are these are these these are not swear words, are they? <laughs> no, these are not swear words. These are um, the insides that are now outside, all over the couch, all over the floor. That I got to spend um, a little while there, mopping up with paper towels, and then taking our trusty steam cleaner and <laughs> spraying everything down, trying to get the the gross literal chunks out of what <laughs> i don't know what this kid was fed at school today but it looked like cottage cheese it was disgusting it smelled vile it may have been cottage cheese <laughs> i i didn't remember seeing cottage cheese curdled milk maybe <laughs> but oh my god this kid went from you know just perfectly content playing by himself to literally just fire hose right out of his mouth uh and my my sweet wife she uh she was holding him at one point and got it all over on her and uh they're upstairs he's taking a bath now you know she took some baby wipes cleaned herself off and uh when we wrap up here i'm gonna let her take a nice long shower um but yeah it was uh you know, not the greatest gift my child has ever given me. Um, but it does wasn't he wasn't the worst. But does he feel better? That's the real question. Well, he felt better. I asked him that the first time, and he said yes. <laughs> and then the second time, I was like, "All right, you're not feeling good. Maybe yeah. we should uh, rethink this whole situation right now." Um, 
but you know you both know how kids are right like they just want to get back and play and you know do their thing and uh you know they haven't quite realized that you know sometimes you need to take it a little easy i can tell you steve that i stayed home today uh from work because lucas uh at four o'clock in the morning decided to do the same thing oh and and uh oddly enough they were not in the same place <laughs> <laughs> so yeah lucas got sick too and i i stayed home from work with him uh, uh typically it's it's amy because it's easier for her to get off of work um she just gets a sub um because she's a teacher but um i bit the bullet this time and said it's my responsibility too so and and at this point you know it's hard to get teachers it's hard to get substitute teachers so uh, yeah, she went to work, did her thing. And, yeah. And I, and I have the time to take off. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to stay with a little buddy. And, uh, we hung out, we hung out all day and, and it was, it's the same thing. It's like, you feel better now. And he's every single time, you know, yeah, I do. And then 20 minutes <laughs> later, start again. <laughs> so I hear you, you, Steve, man. Yeah. You know, to both of you, I, I, I feel badly that, um, <clears throat> I feel badly that your your young fellows aren't doing well. That said, I I think I can one up you, and I, I I don't I don't like one uppers, but I got a story for the two of you. Please, um, please, you, put it you into know, perspective. You know about the bats, you know you know that whole story, and we're we're in good shape with that. Um, but I'm telling you, these these freaking animals are trying to kill me, uh, and here's what I mean. So. What Steve, you, you'll understand this with, with your work, you know, so I work from home. One great thing about that is, you know, my day is pretty packed from like 10 a.m. until about 6 p.m. I'm pretty, pretty tight and packed on meetings, but before 10 a.m. I, I got flexibility. So if I want to go to the grocery, if I want to do some laundry, if I want to mow the lawn, if I want to get some exercise, like that's the window that I do it kind of between like seven and 10 usually works really well. Wednesday of this week, I go out to go out to my car. Um, Mike, I think, I think, you know, my, my, my car that I've been driving, it's a, it's a Hyundai Genesis, uh, 2016. Love it. It's an awesome car. It's heavy. It's fast, um, relatively nimble for its size. Like it's just, it's just a, a comfortable ride. I go to get into my car and it smells like death in my car. Like it um. just smells straight up awful. So, you know, I've, I've smelled this smell before. It's like, this is a little rodent who uh, is no longer living. And I got to figure out where this rodent is. So I, I, you know, do the Dave search as best I can. Can't find it all. It's, but it's terrible. And so I, I know checked, where it is. Well, I, you may not. Um, so I, I, ch <laughs> I checked the, uh, I checked the, the cabin air filter, you know, behind the, oh, that box, right. Um, that's where it had been because that clearly was the nesting, you know, the the center of command for uh for this little mouse but i was hoping to find a carcass didn't find a carcass so i crank all the windows down crank the sunroof open drive it to the the dealership where i have it serviced like holding my breath half the trip because uh, it was horrible I, I told him like look i need you to uh, i need you to find this i need you to help me out you know let remediate the smell do what we can guy calls me back a little bit later like yeah this is bad we we've checked everywhere that we've ever found them we can't find it, but it's in there somewhere. So you need to take it to a Hyundai dealer. They're going to have to take your entire car apart and you should probably call your insurance at the same time. So I call my insurance company, do that whole dance, working on arranging a, a tow to get it to another dealership. Eventually my insurance company comes back because they spoke to the dealer that had my vehicle. They are most likely, I'll find out in the next day or so, they're most likely going to total my car because of 
a mouse that that is so entrenched that they would have to physically take the entire car apart for more than the value of the car so a freaking mouse totaled my car interesting yeah and steve it if I had any food in my stomach, I probably would have puked 10 times on that trip going down to the down to the car dealership because it was absolutely brutal, man. Like, yeah, I, drove around I, for, I drove around for a week and a half like that last year. Oh, it's terrible. Because I'm I couldn't haunted. figure it out. It's a haunting smell, man. It doesn't leave you. Once you once you get that in your nose, it, it just sticks. Yeah. So you found one, Mike? Was it in the cabin or the uh, cabin air filter? So he, I did not find it. Here's the thing. The smell was coming from the the cabin air filter where the uh, they had nested and yeah yeah uh they were dead babies in there oh so i didn't find the actual mother or the the offending mouse itself yeah yeah but i did find the dead babies uh and i did f- i actually had found one like a week before um like on the floor of my car like a dead mouse baby Ooh. mouse and I was like, well, this is off-putting. And then like, <laughs> and then like, you know, so it's right after winter. So I had to like, I turned the air conditioning on and it made it way worse. Oh yeah. And I drove around like that for a week, not, not being able to figure it out. And then I finally, like, it was like, I, I cleaned my car. I mean, I cleaned my car from tip to tail and I was like super close to going to a service place. Yeah. And then said, uh, you know what? Fuck it. Google. And they're like cabin air filter. So I pulled cabin air filter and there it was. And in between the little. The babies. Uh, babies. So did you get the cabin speak- air filter. I cleaned that whole, uh, whole shit out. Yeah. I saw all of it. Get the smell out eventually. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, nasty stuff, man. Nasty stuff. No, it just, no, it's been fear like factor. Wicked Spursy car. edition. For real. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's been 12 minutes now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm this sure and, many people have tuned us out at this point. Like, no, I, I can't think stomach this shit. I think they're fascinated, man. This is like mutual of Omaha or something like that. So. Well, it's because we live in rural areas. You know, it's our it's own true. fault. Very, very true. Yeah, it didn't happen when I lived in the suburbs. None of this stuff happened. No, <laughs> no bats and no mice in my car. But hey, let's uh, let's get on and talk about football. Sound good? Yeah, right. So we played a match a long, long time ago. It feels like uh, what was that last Wednesday, I believe? And we're just for. For clarity's sake, we're recording on Monday right now, so this will probably get out by Tuesday morning, which is the morning of uh, another match. So we're going to be kind of packed up tight back to back. Steve, Olympic Marseille, uh, what'd you think? What'd you see? How'd you feel? Uh, I felt much better than many other people who were watching that game. I can tell you that much. Um, you know, these midweek fixtures are kind of interesting for me because like you, Dave, I work from home. So I do have the option of like, you know, third screen throwing something on so I can, you know, kind of get through my job and still pay attention to what's going on. Um, But one of the things that I like to do as I'm watching is, you know, at halftime, I'll check to see, you know, what's going on on Twitter, what's going on 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 Reddit, how are people reacting to these things. Um, And, you know, I never once felt like it was out of our control i didn't particularly feel we played well in that first half but i wasn't concerned which is you know far and away a different perspective than whoever the fuck was doing the commentary for that game 
who insisted that uh, Marseille were like the second coming of prime Barcelona. Um, you know, they've got Messi on their team. They've got Xavi, Iniesta. They got all of them. They were running circles around Spurs. Uh, it was a, it was a love fest, like it was a total Homer love fest. I, yeah, I don't know what the guy's deal was. It's like he signed up for a Marseille circle jerk and it was just not <laughs> what I wanted to have to listen to. It was so, it, it, it got to the point where I couldn't even, cause normally I can just kind of, you know, I quarter my eye, watch it and, you know, get my work done. I couldn't even focus on work. I was just so flabbergasted by the crap coming out of this guy's mouth. And again, I want to remind you, I watched my son just spew vomit all over the couch. So I know what that looks like. This guy did it for 45 minutes straight on national television for the entire world to witness. I don't understand what he was on, but we clearly have very different ideas of how this sport is played. If he thinks that that was the greatest uh, Marseille side since the inception of the game itself and Spurs were just you know peewee soccer players just you know picking up the ball for the first time what was the deal too with like CBS like ugh, fucking CBS again why do they have not have a color commentator uh, probably because the guy was it's, spitting so much bullshit it's that fucking nobody could be though. in the room with him it's champions. You're, you're right, though. There was nobody to counter him at all, right? No, nobody even. Dude, it's the no same Lee Dixon to be like, "Hey, come on, let's." That's the same as the dead mouse smell. You know, when you've got something that foul in a tight space with you, nobody wants to be around it. That I'm convinced that's why there was no color commentary for it. It was just the one guy because nobody wanted to be stuck with him. Steve Marseille Circle Jerk is a fantastic pod name. I'm just not <laughs> sure if. I don't. I don't know if I can put that one on the internet or not. I'm not sure if they have any. Uh... We're still mourning the queen. So <laughs> you see, well, that and you don't want people trying to search for the title and coming up with something completely different. Bingo, because yeah, that's there's probably a bad movie of that same name. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll. Uh, you know, that could just be for us internally, but uh, we'll stick a different label on it. <laughs> the next, enough. the next round of printed T-shirts are going to say that on the back: Marseille Circle Jerk, <laughs> Wicked Spursy on the front. Perfect, perfect. We're taking it back. Whatever dirty movies out there, it's it's gonna belong to Wicked Spursy now. I'm waiting for one of you to Google that while we're recording right now, just to just to see what happens. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Anyway, so yeah, uh <laughs> about the game. Um, you know, terrible commentary aside, you know, I it was another one of those games where I thought Sun was poor. I was still scratching my head as to how he keeps getting into the starting uh lineup with how with Charleston and Decky have been playing, but once again, Conte knows what he's doing. Sun drew the foul that got uh you know Marseille down to 10. Um, he really didn't offer much outside of that. Um, but people will, you know, continuously point to Sun as making that run. Oh, he did that, he got them down to 10. And my argument would be if we had a better performer in that position, we might not have needed them to go down to 10 to take control of the game. But that's just me. Um, regardless, Sun did his part. He got the guy sent off. He had a smart run. Uh, his goal scoring continues to elude him. Um, but the fact that we could go into a formation where we have Sun, Kane, Richarlison and Decky all on at the same time is just bonkers to me. 
Uh, and yet somehow it worked. You know, Decky was his uh, usual industrious self, making everything happen down that side. Um, I, I love that dude. He is, you know, probably one of the better signings we've had. Such a hard worker. Many years. And he's got such a great attitude too. You know, he's never like, I'm not in the starting 11. I'm going to throw a tantrum. It's, you know, we're all competing. We're all making each other better. We're all working for the team. Great head on his shoulders. I love having that kind of character uh, in the squad. But yeah, much improved second half, probably thanks to the, uh, you know, one man advantage. But uh, yeah, I never want to have to listen to the CBS commentary again. But well, you're going to have I'm to sure tomorrow. by the time. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have to put up with it again, <laughs> whether I want to or not. Let's give me the same fucking guy. He's like a same guy. He happens to love sporting, right? Yeah, that'll be him. Mike, what about you? What'd you uh, what, what'd you notice? What stood out to you? So, uh, you know, I mean, there there's a couple things, right? Like, um, one is that like that run by Son was probably uh, indicative of where he's going. <clears throat> hopefully. Excuse me, a little sore throat right now, but um, indicative of where he's going. And, you know, it, it kind of shows you where he's been because I feel that, like, I, I don't feel that Son had a terrible game. I just feel that, like, nothing's falling for the guy right now. He's just on a run of bad luck. He's, I think, mile, miles ahead of where he was even three fixtures ago where he just looked lost. I think he's starting to come into it. And I think those, those balls are going to start to fall for him. And, you know, who's who to fuck, you know, you can't say that like, Oh, well, if he, if he, if he doesn't get, you know, tackled there, um, if that red card doesn't happen, he's going to score. You don't know that. Right. I mean, we assume it because he's son. I mean, he was the fucking golden boot winner, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he, it was likely that was going to be his, his, his goal. Right. Yeah, but so, that's indicative of how headed a decision that was by the defender. It's like, do you not see the kind of form that he's on? Why take that risk? No, I know, I know, I know. He's one on one. He gets out of there though. He's one on one with the keeper, and I mean, it it takes a, a, a an easy ball to put it on your left foot and just pop it in, um, or just go around him. Like it, he was on a he was on a good run there, and that's the type of thing that Son brings. And I think that going forward that that's going to be um that's going to be a telling point right there that that one thing is because i think we were getting dominated um on possession in the game um i really think that spurs uh weren't really bringing it in the first half which has been typical of the season um again i think hoiberg was the rock in the middle uh bentenker was a rock um i the thing, you know, the, the other thing, uh, my my part two of that was that despite all of that possession that Marseille had in the first half, did you guys ever feel like even a little bit like, oh, shit, we're fucked? Nope. Not, not once. Like, not, not for a second. No, no, no. So, so like, um, I, I, I can't remember. There, there, were, there were, they had one good chance, right? Good uh, Quinduzi or whatever his name is um who had a chance uh and then i i don't think there was any other chances i didn't feel like i i honestly feel like spurs are, are at a point right now where like we're defending we i shouldn't say we i i i hate that but um 
Spurs are defending very, very well right now. Um, and if they can take that defense and translate that into the off offense that we saw at the end of the season last year, this team is going to win the league. I mean, at no point in the last few games, there was a couple, well, maybe there was a couple spots in the West Ham game where I was like, uh, you know, but like, I never, I haven't felt really that much this season, like uneasy about Spurs, you know, conceding a stupid goal. Um, it, it really, it, it, and it really highlights where we are now versus where we were, you know, even last year at this point in the season, you know, we're, we're losing games in the, in the conference league or drawing games in the conference league and being happy with that. Um, so when, when you're playing a team from France, who's got like a little chip on their shoulder, they're not in the best form right now. And they're going to come out and kind of try and put it to you at your home field. I mean, fuck, you got to be ready for that. And a lot of these guys don't have that champions league experience. Right. So why not, why not put it to Spurs? You know, why not try and play your game but play your game to you know you know with like 25 to 30 percent more effort i mean you're going to get run out if you don't score which is kind of what happened after you know after the the red card but i mean if if you don't you're you get red carded you're going to have real problems trying to trying to uh stay level with spurs i mean they're going to run you off the ball and when decky came in they put out that four-man front. Game was over at that point. Like, hey, Mike, too much possession. Just one thing. I just want to issue one uh, fact check for you so that the internet doesn't oh. have to do it. Oh, shit. Um, what did I do? Well, actually, I, you probably just unintentionally misspoke, but you said Marseille wasn't, was not on good form. Contrary to that, they hadn't lost. Um, oh, they hadn't lost. In, in League One, they are currently six wins, one draw. Wins, oh, wins, what, wins what in their it? last five so they came in hot oh they're, maybe it's maybe it's frankfurt who's not in good form i i, yeah, I knew frankfurt, one of our one of, one of the guys in our group yeah. wasn't so yeah i just wanted to save you that you know acknowledge okay, it before so, the internet oh, comes oh, after oh, you fine in a, in a one team league they're in fucking second place right now after five <laughs> games okay six <laughs> games there touche touche yeah that was french well, yeah, that was french <laughs> it's uh french for tushy which is also <laughs> is that- uh American for ass. <laughs> yeah. That uh, so, I mean, right. anyway, like to fact check that. I love yeah. Steve. I, get on that, please. I got to tell you, Steve, I, I love your countryman. I really do. I, I, I didn't think I was going to love this guy this much. Um, I love Richarlison. I really do. I think, he, I think he's fantastic. Um, he doesn't love all your other countrymen that play for Spurs or, you know, in professional <laughs> football, but just Richarlison. Just for Charleston. <laughs> I'm, I'm highlighting the fact that Steve is, is of Brazilian ancestry. So. So I'm single-handedly responsible for a Charleston. You're welcome. Spurs faithful. There you go. Some kid, hey, from, thank New, you, some kid from New Jersey is responsible for, for Charleston. <laughs> How do you not love the guy right now though? I mean, every, every single game he's come in, he's impacted in a positive way. Um, He's made us smile his, with this shithousery. Um, the shit with his dad, 
like crying with his dad like that's that's fucking awesome that was good. <laughs> His Twitter game is pretty is pretty good too. I, I I gotta I gotta appreciate that shit, you know. So oh I mean, yeah, the banter with character was fantastic. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the Richarla mom thing that he did, or Richarla ma thing that he did, Richarla dad. Like that's that's kind of cool. Like he's a he's he's a funny dude, and he loves playing playing a sport, you know. And uh, it, and it kind of stinks that uh you know, we didn't respect that kind of, uh, that kind of stuff out of him previously, but I mean, well, you don't you know, know until he comes to play for your club. Yeah. Right? And Mike, that's what I was going to say. Like I always felt about him. He's the kind of guy that I always knew if he's on your team, you love him. And if he's not on your team, you're like, that guy just drives me crazy. I myself have said it a million times, he drove me crazy, but the difference is um, he's not a prick, right? Like f- from the outside, you look at him and think, oh, this guy's just a real prick and I don't like him, but you get to see his personality. You get to see, you know, I suppose I could have looked into it and found out his story before he played for us, but like, he's got an interesting story. He's a, he's a good yeah. guy who and you see those thing. Instagram stories too, that they yeah. that, like Spurs put out of them walking onto the training pitch. And yeah. Like, yeah. He always makes some little silly comment to the camera, you know, and his teammates seem to love him. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's cool. So yeah. Fuck you, Galini. <laughs> we don't need you anymore. <laughs> Another possible pod title, but could also be a dirty movie. So Mike, you need to need to look that one up too, right? Oh, so I did look that. I did look that up, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Are we safe or no? No, no, we're safe. Like the first thing that came up was uh was a circle jerk situation at another. It was a, it was definitely uh Marseille. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was it was about Marseille soccer. Uh, football i should say i should say football because uh terry Henry is gonna fucking get angry with me i don't know if you saw that clip yes oh fuck him that guy's a douchebag and yeah it was like oh and of and of course like character was like no i'm cool with it man you can call it soccer if you want to like he's like he goes, we got soccer saturdays i mean in, in england i mean what's what's the big deal Terry Henry is, asshole. yeah he's the definition of pompous douchebag frenchman french um yeah french do we, do we have listeners in france I, we don't want to offend the audience i'm not, not so, sure uh, yeah the, the there la- are some perfectly fine french people thierry henry is not one of them there we go look at hugo hugo's french and he's a perfectly upstanding gentleman as True. far as i know minus the um uh, you know drunk driving incidents which i probably should remember before i call him a gentleman um but hey you know he's He's better than Henri still. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, there's nothing that indicates that Circle Jerk, Marseille Circle Jerk, would lead you to a Google search of uh, pornography. All right, this is good to know. We'll we'll keep it in the running then. Well done. I, and well I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to I'm not going to take anybody's pornography away from them if that's what they want to look look for. No, we don't want copyright violations, title, man. That's good for them. But you but know, you know, you know what. Um, since you're in such um, an investigative mood, Mike, um, there is something else I was hoping maybe you could uh, help us out with. What's that, Steve? Well, Dave, I'm sure you're of the same mindset as me, where at this point in the podcast, I'm mostly curious. Uh, hey, Mike, what you drinking? Oh, shit. That's funny, because uh, the for the past uh, 30 minutes now, you you've probably been watching me drink some wine. Um, a very nice uh, a very nice red wine that uh, 
our friend Brian brought to my house. Um, and uh, I told him, he said, we have to, we have to drink this bottle. So we had, we had some with dinner tonight and uh, it's delicious, but, but I have something very special because I'm uh, in the mode to switch the beer. So, so it was very, very uh, timely of you to ask that question. I know. Um, I saw but, you chug that wine and thought, oh, what better time than to hit him with that question right now? So I've got this beer. It's a special beer from uh, from Maine Beer Company. Um, I'm going back to Maine Beer Company. Um, what makes it special, Mike? It's an it's well because it's part of their Black Barn program. Um, it's in so a bottle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maine Beer Company only does bottles. They don't do cans. Look at that. It's uh, a shitty it, label, though. This says. <laughs> <laughs> no it's 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 very it's very uh woodsy and main so just kind of plain uh this says our black barn program is about being creative learning and challenging our team to brew the highest quality beer our beer goes through the extensive lab testing and robust sensory program in order to comply with our belief of quality beer over quantity you know there's nothing creative about a white label with black fucking text <laughs> Maybe not, Steve, but I, I am, I forgot that I bought this beer, honestly. So I'm when I cleaned saying, out the beer first. Hire a graphic designer, get an artist. When I cleaned out the beer, when I cleaned out the beer fridge this weekend, um, when I got home, I, I saw this and I was like, oh my God, I forgot about it. So this is number 32 in their black, uh, black barn program. Um, so it's a separate brewing facility. It's the black, the black barn is a separate brewing facility that they do these one-off beers and these different series that they do this is an american wheat ale um and i'm using uh i'm using this cool uh, another little nugget for you guys i collect uh old bottle openers mm. so I'm, i'll show you this one it says uh it's a schaefer bottle opener and it says america's oldest lager beer uh, uh, this bottle opener is from the 1930s. So um, when when Schaefer when Schaefer uh, would sell their 12 packs of beer and six packs of beer, they you would get one of these with it to open the beers with. So whether they had cans or bottles, so they had the both sides for cans or bottles. You know, see the pointy end there. Um, you could use this to to open either either uh, either can or bottle. Uh, so these are this one here is probably somewhere in the 1930s. But I, I have a huge collection of of bottle openers. It's just a, a thing that I that I took up uh, just going through like craft fairs and like art hops and that kind of shit. And like everybody everybody's got there's always something weird that you can you know, you can buy at these things and it's, you know, somebody's trying to sell their wares to you, their shit that's come out of their basement or whatever that they don't want anymore. You know, Mike, you remind me sometimes of, uh, you remember the show Pawn Stars? Yeah. <laughs> like when, when somebody, somebody comes in with their thing they yep. want to sell and the guy's like, well, you know, in the 1930s, they used these and then they would flip them over and they would do this with them and like the little. Oh, so I'm, I'm like one yeah. of those guys that they go you're to, like, I'm not like the yup guy. Nope, you're not the yup guy. You're like the uh, Good, you're rich. Like. You're the you're the uh, you're the guy that that 
ends up telling people that he'll give them nothing for the thing that they think is like a valuable fam- family. Or no, the, you- this one, this one here has a little rust on it. It's probably worth about 12 bucks. Well, you see, this one actually says made in China. So it's not. But if, <laughs> and if you didn't have the rust, it'd be worth $1,300, but you know, you're shit out of luck. This one's rusty. So have a nice day. <laughs> That's a uh, Dave. You should open up. Actually, this shop. one was made in. <laughs> this one was made in Vaughn. I can't see that. Uh, Vaughn, Missouri. USA. So. That blows your shit out of the water there. Your stupid theory, Steve. <laughs> yeah, no, the stupid Steve. theories come later. I'm, I'm just saying that because you guys were trying to rag on me. So um, trying. We were trying. I've poured it in my might in my nice BBCO can can cup here. Which it is smells it smells glass. really good. It kind of smells citrusy. It's got like a little bit of that like uh that lemon that comes from like a wheat beer. Um it's got a nice head on it. It's poured well. Um, I can't. I can't say anything bad about the way that it looks right now. It's relatively clear for a wheat beer. So I mean, we'll give it a shot and see if it tastes like a farmhouse. I'm going to be upset because I don't like farmhouse beers, but we'll go for it. I hope it tastes like a farmhouse. Kind of that would be unusual like, like wet straw and yeah and manure yeah you know yeah. whenever i see that as a it's a farmhouse beer it's like that's what i think that's the the, but the farmhouse beers are not yeah the farmhouse beers are not like that why do they call them farmhouse beers mike i have no fucking clue honestly oh, come on pawn stars but i do you know that farmhouse that. beers have uh <laughs> they're, they're generally made with they're generally made with like wild yeasts so the brettanomyces and stuff are are they're they're high in brettanomyces uh, within their yeasts as opposed to the domesticated yeasts you can have well you know lab grown yeasts yeah wise ass <laughs> anywho dave's fact checking right now i can see i can see what he's doing I, i'm looking up why they call them farmhouse beers yeah, yeah. i want to know this is a learning show as much as it is a soccer show or maybe more maybe factor. more i think i think we key too much on the beer sometimes this is a beer show with soccer. <laughs> oh man, that beer is okay. While Dave's looking that up, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my little review because basically, that... Mike, you're gonna find this very interesting. I need to I need to tell you this. Okay, go ahead. Um, as as the um, as the uh, super lefty unionist leader that you are. <laughs> oh Christ! Here we go. So this is actually very interesting. Uh, farmhouse ale, their traditional summer beers in France and Belgium. They made them in the wintertime and they they drank them throughout crop planting, maintenance and harvest. They gave these beers to the seasonal workers. So they were brewed for the employees. However, because they were brewed for the employees, they used lower quality ingredients to give to the employees. So they gave the crap to the workers. Um, and that's where the concept of a farmhouse beer with crap ingredients came from. So how does that make you feel? Mr. Trotsky. (laughs) Uh, Well, we just found out that Dave's not much of a leftist. (laughs) Um, Honestly. Hey, if nothing else, now I understand why they have the guillotine in France. (laughs) It all all comes back to France. 
this is an appropriate beer, I guess. It does fit the vibe so far. No question. I mean, since yeah. we just played Marseille and um, no, I like this beer, man. I, I really do. Uh, it, it doesn't fit that description. Uh, it's it, it, it has kind of like uh, it doesn't have that saison kind of thing. So I'm not gonna. It's it doesn't claim to be a farmhouse beer. I just imagine that the Black Barn program would they would use a farmhouse style yeast, um, in which they haven't. Uh, it's a pretty clean beer, uh, honestly. Um, it's an American wheat. Uh, you know, would you say uh, higher carbonation levels than than like a saison? That's what I'm reading here. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But and, I mean, a, and a distinct minerality. No. All right. No. You take issue Absolutely. with that. Absolutely not. There's there's not a distinct minerality. Like, before before you rate this, do we have a a, a beer advocate rating on this one? Yeah. Boy Lone Freighter uh, get after it. Lone Freighter might have gotten after it, but I, I doubt it. He's uh he's gone into hiding. As he should. Yeah. Uh main beer company, and it's number 32. He's gone into hiding. He knew we were coming for him. That's he was just so it's because it's because I emailed him, right? He was did he have no response, right? He no, you? no, no, no. Coward. He doesn't want any of this shit. Must be a uh, Woolwich fan. He's a runner. Yeah, a runner and a gunner, right? Oh wait, maybe there's not one. Ooh. I don't see one, bud. All well, right, give us yours. You're the first. What do you got? Uh, what do I got? I've got this beer is crisp. It's clean. Um, it's a typical wheat ale. So um, I can kind of I I can kind of see it coming close to like a, a hefeweizen, but it doesn't have that it doesn't have that yeasty quality to it that a half has. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead. And give it a, I mean, I could drink a bunch of these. 3.4. Stevie boy was close. Excellent. Excellent. Mike or Steve, do you see my song prediction I just shared with you? I do. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Your song prediction is not even close. I already, I already have this. We'll see. Okay. Uh, it's an American wheat ale. Um, it makes me feel good when I when I when I drink it. Uh, but it's it's just kind of typical American wheat ale. It's a and 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 quite honestly, um, could fit into a category of a. Uh, it, it could be a macro brew. The spirit. I mean, it, it it just could be a macro brew. My song holds up, Steve. Uh, so far, uh, but um, what's more American in music than the boss? I can think of a few things. Bruce Springsteen. Name one, Dave. Don't one. say apple pie because I'm gonna put. I'll, I'll come. I'll come down there. A bunch melon. Of melon is more American. Oh, get the hell out of here. 
Um, so I'm going to say uh, Born to Run. And it's just the way it makes me feel. All right. If you say so. I like that. That's a good one. My prediction was uh, No Rain by Blind Melon. I was just picturing the the uh, the the kids in the Bumblebee outfits in the video and just thought that that's where you're going with that that particular description. You can see it, can't you? Yeah, I can. I, I and I've been I've I've seen Blind Melon twice. They haven't seen you. <laughs> and and I can tell you no they have not cuz I was on a big crowd of people, but I can tell no, you cuz they're uh, blind. They're that's also funny. Um <laughs> He said they're they're, they're 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 what I uh, consider as one of the last great American rock bands. And people don't understand that because of the one song with the B girl. Um, <laughs> but that band, that band, you have to listen to their music to understand that they are a great American rock band and they might be one of the last ones along with maybe Black Crows. I can accept that. Yeah. Hey, so good review, Mike. Uh, you might repeat the, the name of the beer again, just so I get it right. What was, what was the name of it? It's uh, Main Beer Company, number 32, Black Barn Program. All right, got it. Thank you, sir. All right, listeners, this has been Hey Mike, what you drinking? With yet another quality rating. Mike, we appreciate your skills, man. Way to bring it. Thanks, bud. All right. Uh Steve, I have a question I was thinking about. Yes, Dave. I would like to know what the hell's going on in that mind of yours right about now. So uh what do you have for us? <laughs> I there's a lot of shit going on in that mind. It's a weird well, dude sometimes. <laughs> there's a whole lot of nothing going on in there, and that's a breeding ground for something. <laughs> so this this particular um thought train um actually was brought to light on the back of being forced to watch non-premier league soccer this past weekend um i watched the Bundesliga. league i just want yeah, you to know there was some kind of you know major events that caused the league to decide to postpone um all the games so so steve is, but... quick quiz mike just said bundesliga um what did you watch what league i was watching clips from syria there we go all right very good Yep. So um, if any of you are familiar with, uh, you know, the Milan game that happened, AC Milan uh, or the Juventus game from this weekend, maybe you'll start to see where I'm going with this. But um, for a long time, we in the Premier League have felt like we've had some substandard refs. Is that fair to say? And VAR has been abysmal at best. Um, Fair. Well, I've noticed that VAR isn't exactly shining through in Italy either, which leads me to question whether or not it's actually being used at all. I think that VAR is just a scapegoat for referees to make bullshit decisions in the middle of games, knowing full well that if they get it wrong, it takes all the heat off of them because they can just say, well, VAR intervened. It's their way of passing the buck for a shit decision. Um, and on the flip side, if they make a shit decision, they can overturn it by just pretending to go and look at a monitor. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody even in the VAR booth. I don't think that exists. I think VAR is literally just the referee scapegoat. And the thing that pushed me to this point was in the Juventus game from the weekend, there was a last minute goal Juventus scored that was called off as offside for VAR. But 
if you looked at the full field of play, there was no offside. There was somebody out of frame of the video who was playing everybody onside and uh, they came out and said, well, VAR didn't have that angle. And I find it hard to believe that VAR doesn't have a shot of the entire field at any particular moment of the game. I mean, this is this isn't just some fucking backyard soccer match we're talking about. This is a, a top five league in the world. Um, to miss something so blatantly obvious just seems like a, a complete oversight unless you consider that nobody is actually in the VAR booth and all it is is a scapegoat for the referees to make poor decisions. Then it all makes sense. It's not that they don't have the view. It's just that the ref on the field thought, you know what, maybe I made a mistake by giving that goal. I'm going to use this as an excuse to overturn it. And he got it wrong. We see that in the Premier League all the time. VAR intervenes, they make a piss poor decision, and suddenly the game's on its head. Because there is no VAR, it's referees trying to do bullshit and get away with it by blaming somebody else. That's all it is, and I don't know that anybody can come up with evidence to prove me wrong. Has anybody ever seen firsthand somebody in a VAR booth? I've seen refs on the field walking around, talking to each other, passing judgment, but I've never seen anybody in a room thousands of miles away from the game trying to give an impartial look at it. Any view from a VAR room that I see might as well be stock imagery, stock video. It There's nothing that ends that lends any sort of weight to the people in this supposed room or the situations that they create. It is a farce, and it is being pushed to hide the incompetence of the referees. Um, Steve, I am intrigued by your um, your hypothesis, and I'd like to throw a question at you if you don't mind. Actually, it's a multi-part question um, that, that that is going to show my allegiance to what you're talking about. If you were designing a video-aided review or instant replay system uh, for any sport in the world, what, what um, technical and video aspects would you put into that video aided review system what would you how would you design it i mean it's not that hard dave you just need a system that gives you a complete look at the broad field of play at any given time for these offside decisions right an aerial view might be a perfect opportunity you see those cameras that they've got in these big fancy stadiums zooming around on wires use that they can clearly spot those sort of decisions why not okay for, okay for anything else you know, this is, it's 2022. You've got fucking 80,000 cameras at the game from any number of broadcasters, fans in the, the seats with their cell phones. I mean, I, there isn't ever an instance in a match where there isn't a camera pointed on somebody on the ball, off the ball. doesn't matter. And you know what? As further proof, as further proof, here's Isaac. What's up, Isaac? <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Hey, buddy. Hey hello? Isaac, I'm I'm gonna ask your dad a question, okay? Well, he probably can't hear me, can he? No, he can't. All right, but you enough. can ask the question anyway. Bye, buddy. Steve, if you were going to locate that video system somewhere to aid in quality judgment and review, where would you locate it? Where would you put it? I mean, it's just gotta be it's gotta be an impartial venue. You know, you're not gonna have it in the same spot as all the crazy drunk fans 
you know, getting all up in arms and wanting to fight somebody over a decision. You just put it nearby in an undisclosed location with an independent review, uh, you know, not the referee's best friend sitting in a box, allegedly sitting in a box uh, so that they can, you know, either back you up or, or you know, offer you an easy out. It's got to be impartial. It's got to be somebody outside the system because um, you can't have somebody who's afraid to say, hey, you know, Stuart Atwell, you got it wrong. You so need by, to take a look at this. So by nature, Stuart Atwell has never gotten anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's why I felt like, you know, we never say his name. I might as well just throw it out there, right? So, Steve, I'm just thinking by nature of your response. So because the VAR system is a single screen that's about the size of my 13-inch laptop screen that is placed on the sideline of a soccer pitch where the referee is not only looking at the screen, but in the background can see like a billion fans screaming and yelling and and, and issuing threats. Um you're suggesting that the, the entire system is set up on the field to fail as well. And I agree. And I support your hypothesis 100%. Mike, how do you feel about it? Um, I think Steve has ventured into the world of, not with his hypothesis, but with the description of how it could be done um, more efficiently and, uh, and, and more precisely. And you need um, the accountability too. There's no so so these these cameras decisions. these cameras you talk about that f- that f- fly back and forth across the field over the top of the stadiums. Um, you're you're just I, I feel like you're going after uh, Terry Henry again, uh, <laughs> but he, because <laughs> because because he did say in that same in that same little segment that it, it's not football. It, it, it's not football because they don't put the ball on their foot. They only kick it. He said once every 15 months or something. Um, so it's the NFL strange. has those fucking cameras. The NFL uses that system. And while they do get some calls wrong still, it is not at the astounding fucking rate that VAR in the English premier league gets things wrong. So fuck you, Terry Henry. Yeah, it's still fuck fucking you, Terry football. Henry. It's still fucking football um, because we call it football and it's our sport. And I don't give a fuck what you think. It's exactly what Carragher said. It's their sport. They can call it what they want. We still call football soccer over here too. They do. They fucking do. They call it soccer sometimes when it's when it suits them. So that said, yes. They could they could in, implement a camera that's very much and 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 a number of different camera systems that's very much like the NFL has, which is why the NFL is a fucking thirty billion dollar thirty billion dollar a year industry. Just the league itself, not not to mention the the worth and value of the teams the league itself makes 30 well i think it's 26 billion dollars a year where five to seven years ago five to seven years ago it was like only 10 billion it's still making money in a dying sport they know how to fucking do it 
So why doesn't VAR have the ability to put cameras in these stadiums? And here's the reason. And it's because there are so many little tiny fucking bullshit leagues that that use the VAR system that can't afford to have those camera systems in there. So that tells me that the FA and, and, and whatever the French league governing body is and all these other big leagues have to have to standardize a system together to have these cameras. And it, and it is that easy to put these little 3d cameras that fly over the fucking stadium in these stadiums. These stadiums are in, they're generally enclosed on all ends. They have, they have the width of field that is, they have the ability to put these cameras in these stadiums. I mean, I can tell you that if the, the HD on, on the sky sports over there is as bad as the HD is here to watch the games, then they they have to invest in cameras. They have it. just 2022. There's a, they have the ability. It is 2022. Yeah. I saw the technology I watched. I watched my Washington commanders and I saw Jahan Dotson jump out of the fucking TV screen into my living room the other day. (laughs) And I have a 12 year old TV. I just, I just wanted to say that like, I, I, you know, I mean, if, if if the English premier league can't find a way to standardize their cameras and, and put, put cameras in positions that, make these VAR decisions a little easier to make then why the fuck have VAR at all because it's it's failing at an astounding rate that's all it is it's just a scaling at an astounding rate Steve your uh, your hypothesis has been proven to be an accurate theory so you you win you win the night buddy way to go hey Mike related to your related to your commanders uh I saw something funny on I think it was on Twitter earlier today um did you by chance see, you know how outside of the, outside the ballpark, outside the stadium, whatever you'll, you'll come across those like trailers that are our souvenir kiosks, basically, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I know exactly what did, you're talking did, about. Did you see, did you see about the mugs? Did you catch that? So there, there were mugs and like uh, five <laughs> years ago, five years ago, these same guys tried to try to make uh, a t-shirts too. So it was, it wasn't an actual like, affiliated kiosk really it wasn't a club affiliated kiosk it was like this dude selling t-shirts and mugs and shit out of the back of a of a they had a trailer outside of the stadium yeah it was a trailer selling, had commanders on it i mean it was, they were it selling was made boot, to yeah they official. were selling bootleg bootleg gear were they really yeah that's pretty that's pretty funny for those who don't know what we're talking about the washington commanders who are based in washington dc which is not washington state these guys uh apparently bootleg as mike is telling us we're selling uh mugs with the commander's logo with the silhouette of washington state in the background which is really really freaking funny and, uh, it is really funny because uh the washington the washington football team commanders redskins whatever you want to continue to call them in your own world uh they're the commanders now but um they are fodder for everything and in, 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 in American football, um, 
that said, I still love my club. And uh, it's, it's, it's another indication as to why I will never, ever, ever fall away from Tottenham, uh, no matter how bad they are. Uh, I've been with, I've been with my, with my American football club since 1983. Um, I was a young child, you know, uh, one man, John Riggins caught my eye and that, that was the end of it. Um, and, and I've supported them ever since they had some really, really good times in the nineties when I was in high school, uh, and previous to high school winning championships and winning trophies and being generally well thought of. And then they mm. were bought out in the late nineties by, uh, a giant piece of shit human being. And we haven't been able to find a way as fans to get them out. So maybe, uh, trying something like, uh, maybe what man United is trying to do or what, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Dan Snyder has to be affiliated with the Russian, uh, <laughs> with the Russian government or something to, to get him out. You know, Mike, you just made a comment that made me think, um, have you guys been watching welcome to Wrexham at all? Have you been, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. I'm waiting till all the, all of them drop so I can just, yeah, I mean, it's oh. worth it. it. It's interesting. I'd say it, it I supported, worth- I supported Wrexham right before they right before Ryan Reynolds bought the team. Cause I, I love these little tiny football clubs. That's cool. It, it moves a little slow, I would say, but it, it's cool. It's interesting. I like it, but I was watching uh, the most recent two episodes last night and they were showing these supporters. They were talking about the era when the club had been bought by a scumbag, like you just described. And the fans had to kind of like take over and kind of buy back a uh, stake in the team. I'm not doing it much justice, but they, they'd have all these, these supporters on and it would say like, you know, Bobby Jones, Wrexham supporter for 40 years, you know, so and so. And and I at first I was like, man, yeah, that's that's a long time. Then I was like, oh shit, I I've been a supporter of every team I love, with the exception of Spurs, right? All the all my childhood teams supported them for over 40 years. It's just pretty scary when you um are represented by the people that they use on the TV shows to represent really, really long time suffering fans. That's kind of a kind of a scary. Yeah, the thing is, is that you haven't had to endure in your fandom terrible shitty disgusting owners fair that's fair like the hallis family and like, like I, yeah you know. i'm not the biggest fan of jerry reinsdorf in the world but you know it's still a fair point it yeah. is what it is but all right hey how do you guys feel about grand potter what do you think about that poor guy he's he's gonna be out on the streets in a year or two mike what do you think just in time for Antonio Conte <laughs> to find to, to find a way to spurn us and uh and and Grand Potter to take over. I I'm deeply saddened. I understand why he did it. Um and I think that he could have been the next great Spurs manager. Uh because we know that Conte is not going to be here forever. He's you know? not. Maybe Mike, maybe he, he not at the end still- of the Maybe not at the end of this year. We we don't know. He might still be the next great Spurs manager. We have a penchant for former Chelsea managers. So yeah, um, after he thing. crashes crashes the and runs there, we just our last our last two of two out of three. You know, yeah, make it three out of four. Yeah, uh, you know, um, best of luck to Grant Potter because he's a he's a great human being. Uh, his players love him, um, and uh, he's. You know, I, I liken him to like he's like the Greg Popovich of um 
of English, English football, right? I mean, he's socially aware. He's um, his players love him. His system works really well. And I think a club like Chelsea who can, who has the ability to have and bring in lots of money that Brighton doesn't have will play to his, to his strengths. And, uh, and he will be able to get some players in. I, it's not going to happen this year, but he's going to be able to get some players in that will, that will work for him. Uh, any player that he has now will work for him. And he's, he doesn't hate any player. He doesn't, he doesn't throw players under the bus. You know I mean? On top of that, he's somewhat of a understated tactical genius too. You know, he does a lot with, with players that he has that, that, don't that would wouldn't perform under other under other managers i think so he gets his players to play for him and i think that's the same type of thing that greg popovich has always done which is why this the other spurs in the nba have always been very 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 uh um successful yeah good point well put hey steve let's look ahead there is a match tomorrow like i said this pot will probably come out um Tuesday morning. What do you think about uh, our club against the Childhood Academy, home of England's best central defender? I think we're probably looking at a number of cards being displayed. Uh, given what I know about um, sporting and what I know about the players on Spurs, I would not be surprised if we didn't see things getting a little bit heated, especially if the game is uncontested still. You know, if it's still 0-0 after an extended period, nerves are going to go. You know, if it's a blowout, it's probably fine. You know, we get that first goal early on. We get a second goal maybe later in the half probably don't have to do as much worrying but if we hit 60 70 minutes and it's still scoreless i can see tensions bubbling over you know people starting to get a little pushy uh, we do have to worry about you know yellow card accumulation as well uh we did get a couple of those unjustly at times in the marseille game um i think even so, Sil- silky pudding even got one didn't he yeah so so it's it's going to be one of those games that's all about discipline can spurs stay disciplined for 90 minutes and get a result i think it's going to be difficult i think both sides are going to look to attack which is going to put lots of pressure on the respective defenses are we going to be able to cope with that i think we can um especially if we've got somebody like a hoibjerg out there you know continuously barking orders and reminders out to players to keep that level head um, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated about him in the Marseille game was even off the ball, he was looking around and, and constantly communicating with everybody around him. You see his head swiveling around, pointing at players, giving instructions. Um, if he can keep the guys, because I, you know, as much as I love Hugo, I don't really know what he gives to the team as a, you know, on the field presence. Um, but Hoybier definitely brings that. If he can keep the guys in line, disciplined, and under control for 90 minutes, I think we could get the results. Um, you know, we certainly have the talent to do so, uh, but it's not going to be easy. 
you know, some of these guys writing it off, like, oh, Spurs are going to win the match. It's going to be no problem. Top the group, easy peasy. I think they got something. Um, they're in for a rude awakening, I think. You know, this is a strong team, a very offensive team. Um, they're not going to sit back and just let us do our thing. They are going to put us to the to the knife's edge for sure. I think that's a decent uh, perspective on things, Steve. I'll, I'll be interested to hear what Mike has to say. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I, I, I honestly think that uh, it, sporting is a fine team. Uh, and to make the point that I made earlier is like Marseille is second in a one team league. Um, you know, Porto and sporting are the, they're the two premier teams in, in the Portuguese league. Um, yes. Uh, the Portuguese league is another one of those leagues that just, um, that just develops players for other leagues. Um, I think that like Steve said, they're, they're an attacking team. Uh, they, they're seven. I'm looking at this right now. They're seventh right now um, on 12 points after, after six games, uh, 10 points after six games. Sorry. Uh, they concede a lot of goals. They score a lot of goals, but they concede a lot of goals. Um, I think in typical fashion, they're going to play a low block encounter. Uh, typical Portuguese kind of fashion is low block encounter. Um but, you know, I don't know much about this team to speak to it. Um, honestly, I believe that Spurs concede early and um, come back and score many goals late. Uh, this, I think, is the weakest team in our in our group. Um, I think Frankfurt is actually a better team. Uh, I think Marseille is the best team in the group outside of Spurs. Um but going to a place uh, that's it, it's typically hostile. They have great fans that are very dedicated fans. Um, I, it's not going to be an easy, an easy game uh, at all. And it's going to be a tough game to watch. Uh, like Steve said, it may get chippy. And if they may look to throw Spurs off their game by, by playing that type of a, that type of a game. Um, and if it does, you know, cards start flying, that could that could end up being a problem um, for Spurs. And uh, I think what Steve said about Hoiberg is 100% right, is that he is he is and has been the kind of the linchpin in this, you know, for the squad it, the entire season is like everything kind of hinges on him um, and how he's playing and where he's playing. And luckily for uh, fans of the team is that we have seen the best out of out of uh, out of Pete Hoiberg uh, <laughs> this year uh, so far, and and he's he's an amazing leader. I think he's respected among his teammates. He's respected among his uh, every manager he's played for so far, uh, uh, even at Southampton. Um, so I, I, it, the midfield play is going to be the the telling is going to tell the tale here for me. I like it. Good analysis, boys. Good pregame. We don't, we don't get as much time to go dive into pregame like we just did. So well done. I like it. Let's move on to closing thoughts. 
Stephen, wrap it up. Um, I'll keep it pretty short. I just have one closing thought to share with you fine gentlemen this evening. I am shocked that my New York Giants managed to win a, a game week one. <laughs> they tried First to lose it. Like, they tried so hard to lose it. Um, <laughs> but... We managed to win first time in six years. We've won our, our first game of the season. Um, and I got to say, you know, we talk a lot about what a great coach Conte is. I got to say, having a, a guy like DeBall um, pushing the Giants through and, and actually doing some really good, smart things makes me happy to watch the team again, even though they were god-awful for most of that game. Um it was like you could tell that the ideas were there. It just wasn't quite clicking because, let's face it, Jones is trash, and uh, we really don't have uh, the personnel we need to to compete consistently. But the dude still managed to squeeze something out of it. Um, you know, Saquon was an absolute beast. Um, I can't wait for him to get a season-ending injury in the next two weeks. Like it always happens. <laughs> He's on my fantasy. He's on both my fantasy teams. Dude, it's it's the Giants' curse. Whenever you start to feel hopeful and you know, like things are finally going to turn around, you get like a star player gets injured and they're out for the rest of the season, and it all just goes to shit. So, um, I'm looking forward to the pain this year. I think I actually feel hopeful for the first time after one game. Um, and really one half of one game because the first half was um, just abysmal. But uh, yeah, now we've got two two types of football to uh, get excited about each week. You know, Steve, you just struck me. You just struck me that the three of us, uh, alongside our, our love for Spurs, like we our American football teams are all like original era teams who have um, some glorious history in their past. Steve, your team has more recent glorious history than mike's or mine but uh at the moment none of them Suck are it, all that, none of them are all that spectacular or exciting it's, it's just to have a redskins commanders bears giants trio is is sort of funny um just i think about, thankfully no cowboys that's that's just all i'm saying oh, yeah, no. about that we're smart bingo mike how about you uh i'm not gonna i won't comment too much on football because uh we know how it goes in the nfc east um <laughs> That said, it's wide open this year. Dak just got hurt. Um, he's gonna have probably close to season ending injury or uh, uh surgery. Um, but I will talk about uh something I haven't talked about in a while is my my uh watching my son is um play a game that he introduced me to um is one of the joys of my life. And this year I had some reservations because he's been, he's had such a a hard time learning anything in the rec leagues this year. He's gotten to play, uh, he's gotten to play uh, school uh, soccer. So he is in uh, fifth grade and he's in fifth and sixth grade soccer at, at Georgia elementary. And, um, I had some reservations going into it. Uh, you know, first couple of days, coach had him on defense. And I guess that's where you put your best players, right? Uh, your fastest and best, best ball handling players is on defense. Um, he wasn't comfortable with it. 
and he advocated for himself, let the coach know that he's a winger. He's a striker. Um, yesterday I got to see him. I got to see him play with his travel team. It's a Sunday league that they do in the fall. His travel team is a, uh, is a winter and spring team. And uh, we can bring it back to Hoiberg if you want, but Lucas um, I I'm seeing something out of him that I haven't seen in every single season. I get to see him progress and I see a little leadership coming out of him and it's, and it's, it's great for a kid who's generally a pretty quiet kid and pretty soft-spoken kid. I mean, he, he gets wild with his friends and stuff, but um, he's out there pointing on set pieces, um, having kids get into position, having his teammates get into position, making sure that everybody's when they're, they're man marking on, on set pieces and corner kicks. And, um, and he's clapping up his, his teammates for making nice tackles for, uh, good defensive plays and that kind of stuff. And um, I can attribute to this to um, watching him in just a few practices and the fact that he has not been winded. He was not winded even once in yesterday's game. Uh, and you would think that he would be rusty after not playing all a, a game all summer. Um, so I can attribute this to all to the coach, the coach at uh, Georgia Elementary, uh, fifth and sixth grade team. Uh, so here's to Coach Jeff uh, for instilling some discipline into these kids, uh, into my son at, at the very least, uh, and for making them run uh, 10 lengths, which is an up and back. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I watched him, I watched them run the lengths, uh, and fifth grade kids running 10 lengths it, uh, on a, on a nine V nine field is it, it's rough, but uh, it, it, it went into conditioning and it went into some discipline for these kids. So uh, I look forward to watching this stuff and uh, every, every week and every season I, and every year I get to see my son develop some sort of new skills and, 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 and that means everything in my life to me because it's going to translate later in life uh, to the type of person that he becomes. That's fantastic. Hey man, there are, there are life lessons in sport, right? There's life lessons in other activities too, but there's, there's definitely life lessons in sports. So that's really cool to, to hear him progress through it. And you were just making me think about, you know, the concept of a kid like him who does perform well. And I know he plays up a lot, right. But there's, does, there's yeah. also something to be said for playing with same age, same age peers who maybe aren't as skilled because that, that's where that leadership gene can kind of come out. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, when you're not the little kid, um, you, you, you just kind of find it in yourself to kind of make sure everybody's doing what they need to do. So there's a, keeping that balance is, is pretty cool and important, but it's also cool that that's happening for him. Yeah. The, the, in the gap between we'll, we'll find out on Tuesday, but the gap between the, the school league and his travel team, yeah. his academy team is probably miles apart because a lot of these kids aren't don't have the opportunity to play pay to play soccer like Lucas has. Um, but I think the coaching is, is, is going to, is going to narrow that gap. And, um, and it's just, it's going to be awesome to watch. And, and I have, I have zero complaints to make uh, right now. So, Right. You know, as as a as a dad and as a as a fan of the the game, so it's 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 great to watch. Very good, very cool. Excited to hear more. 
All right, listeners, Steve had to take off, so it's just Mike and I. So, Mike, we're going to close it out. Uh, you got to speak for Steve and yourself with our final, final word. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, everybody, there's, there's a lot of things that are still out there. Uh, there's a lot of political craziness going on right now. Um, and I just want to say that despite all those things, don't be an asshole. Very good. And Spurs, Spurs are playing tomorrow. Let's have a fucking good time watching them. 1 p.m. Uh, di- ditch all the work you can to watch the, to watch the uh, club that you love. And while you're doing that, just holler, coys, 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 coys. And also, be safe. <laughs>